0: everybody this is kevin o'donohue licensed new york state mental health counselor
1: and this is nasima dyan demer trauma-informed bodywork therapist and this is the positive mind
0: bringing you some ideas concepts and guests to try and help you lead a more positively minded life 2020 is in the books how did you feel about it what kind of year did you have how are you feeling right now right now With nobody around, just you feeling. How do you feel? Boy, we've been through a lot. It's been a heck of a year. It's been a heck of a year, 2020. We'll be talking about this year generations from now. Hopefully it will be over. 2021 is a new start. In our next show, we will talk about hope and the possibility for a better year. But maybe you didn't have such a bad year. Maybe it was okay after all. Did you make it okay? How long did it take you to finally accept what was happening and really try to make the best of it? You know, that's one thing we human beings can do. We can make the best of something. We can tolerate bad stuff for a while, but then all of a sudden something kicks in and says, okay, I need to turn the corner. I need to make this work for me. And maybe you were able to do that with this pandemic throughout the last nine months, or maybe not. So we're going to talk today about this concept in psychology that if you live with a single focus, let's say you highlight one of your best qualities, one of your best strengths, and you might not even know what they are. You can always ask a friend, ask your partner, ask your kids, what do you think is my best strength? And you use that one strength to focus all of your energy and attention that in psychology we have this idea that it will make you happier. So for instance, for a depressed client, we can give a depressed person, we can give them an antidepressant and we can watch how that works or doesn't work. And oftentimes it won't work. Or we can say, you know what? You're a very um, funny person, you know? You have a good sense of humor. I'm going to ask you to focus all of your attention on your sense of humor. Live every day trying to find funny things, things that are funny that are happening around you. And let's see, come in next week and we'll see. We'll see how that's working for you. And you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. It will work. It will work for you. Some people are let's say persistent and they, they're able to persevere. Do you know anybody like that? you know anybody who just doesn't quit? Well, if they're having a bad stretch of time, let's say they're anxious or they're depressed and they need help, you would say, you know, let's use this quality of yours. What can you persevere through? How do you persevere? You know, I've always been amazed at how you're able to persevere. How do you do that? So, we're going to talk today about a few of these traits in psychology that you can use and maybe you have used. What have you used, if you think about it? What strength of yours, particularly, different from, let's say, your sister, your siblings, your parents, your partner, what strength did you use to get through the last nine months? Was it perseverance? Was it optimism? Was it humor? Was it courage? Was it kindness? Did you use kindness? Say, okay, everybody has it hard. Everybody's having it. I'm going to be really kind the next stretch of time until we get out of this. What a way. What a gift, right? What a gift if somebody decided that. And, you know, you can. You can decide to be kind. Isn't it great to see kindness in action? To see it out in the street. See it on the road. See people being kind. It's kind of quiet. Isn't kindness sort of a quiet thing? It happens in quiet. And it can be such a refreshing thing to see. It can really touch that spot in you that, uh, you know, is private and is quiet in itself. So let's take a look at some of these qualities. Let's say... um, Let's say, well, let's do it this way. What have you struggled with? What has been really, really hard about this time for you? And that you're proud of yourself for struggling through. Did you raise kids who were in school and you homeschooled them and you sat by them and made sure that they were learning? Did you struggle through that? Did you have to adjust your schedules, your work schedules, you and your partner? Husbands and wives, these are heroes. I mean, these are people that, you know, if you think you have it hard, how about being a parent with three kids in in elementary school?
1: I also want to add in about, you know, the teachers who had to learn how to teach online, like overnight, basically. Change their curriculum and change their way of teaching. And also, I'm familiar with one teacher. It's like to be watched by the parents,
0: <laughs> oh well, she's, boy! She's working what pressure with like,
1: she's working with little ones. Right. She's doing an art class and working with little ones, but she's like, but the parents are right there, so it's a mm. it's a very different experience. So I definitely want to give a shout out to any teachers out there who've who've really had to change up their whole way of doing right. their work. Right. I mean, and I'm sure it's been an incredible struggle, and I hope they feel proud of what they've done. I imagine under like circumstances, um,
0: all these parent eyes on you all day long doing your job. Right. They say things about factory workers when they're being observed, you know, they they produce more or something. But imagine being a teacher. I mean, what, and you have 30 parents' eyes on you, commenting, oh, you did that. Right. What well, a difficult, difficult yeah. job.
1: And teacher-student is such an intimate sort of relationship. I mean, it's got a certain yes. continuity and intimacy to it that I think parents don't always understand or remember. You know, from their own experience. And how, you know, maybe stepping away might be the best thing. But then again with the very little ones, you need them there to sort of guide them through the computer. But it's been a fairly challenging time I think for a lot of people. And
0: there was a time when parents weren't involved at all in education. Remember back in the fifties, sixties, whatever the teacher said went. And and the parents didn't have any say or Wow, uh, maybe it was easier then for a teacher. But a teacher's job obviously is very difficult. But we're talking about the parents here. What did you struggle with? Imagine having that as your struggle. Or um, let's say you got the uh, virus. What did you struggle with before, during, and after getting the virus? Did you lose your job? How many of you lost your job? What did you struggle through? And what are you proud of struggling through and making it? This is the topic of our show. We're coming to the end of 2020, thankfully, and we want to take some stock in some human qualities, qualities that we all have, that if we just focus them, can help us live a more positively minded life.
1: And I think what you're suggesting is sort of take something that you already know about yourself, or maybe, like you said, your friend can sort of maybe say, what's something you think about me that's a strength of mine? Because these are things that we often forget when we're under duress, when we're stressed out, when we're burned out, or just not feeling motivated or, you know, weighed down by this year. Like, like great to sort of zoom out and just get a little perspective and tap into that part of you that was that 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 came through for you this year like like what part of you showed up and is something you can rely on to get you through stressful tough situations so yeah like my capacity for kindness or my capacity for you know appreciating things in my life or even appreciating my struggle
0: yeah, yeah. my endurance i, I you know yeah. i'm grateful for my endurance Let's frame it that way. What are you grateful for? And often with great, it's hard to, you know, after a big thing that we've all been through, say, oh, I'm grateful for this. But, you know, gratitude is often the result of struggle, often also what we take for granted. Like, what do you take for granted? A lot of people say, my grandfather used to say, "If, if you have your health, you have everything, right? So it's a way of saying you should be grateful for your health. There are many people who don't have your health. But, you know, that's one thing to say to people, but it doesn't really work. And, you know, it doesn't make me grateful. What, what I do do is I take for granted my health. And by recognizing that, I can recognize, well, maybe I shouldn't take it for granted. And if I don't take it for granted, maybe I, today I can be grateful for my health. You know, what do we have to be grateful here in America? You know, you go to a grocery store. There's no grocery store like a grocery store in the United States. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just imagine a foreigner coming to America and walking into the grocery store, 40 aisles, 38 aisles of there's, a grocery store in America. I mean, do we take that for granted? Yeah.
1: There's, a, there's a great story about, I think it was Boris Yeltsin came from Russia came from communist Russia and went to a grocery store and they attribute that visit to the capitalization of Russia because he was just floored by all the variety and all the freshness and the abundance of it. And I feel like this pandemic has like really helped people sort of see that and like be suddenly grateful for the guys picking the fruit in the field Get putting it on a truck, that truck being driven by someone to your market in the midst of all of this. And guess what? Everybody had like a Russian roulette gun to their heads
0: this whole time.
1: We didn't know when or if and or how bad it would be if we got it. And, And I think that really put health on people's front burner, where in the past, even though it's been so much in our lexicon, It like came to the front. Yeah. It's like health was number one.
0: How many of you have taken stock of your health because of this? Nine months of this. I mean, uh, if if I summarize the pandemic in any way, it would be it has slowed me down. I have slowed down in spite of myself. I've slowed down. Have you slowed down? Do you feel slower? Has something got in your joints? (laughs) That's what I was thinking the other day you know, something's in my joints, I've slowed down so much. And now, you know, slowing down is that place where you can take stock of what you're grateful for. So the idea here in psychology is if you take one principle, if you're depressed, and you say, well, let's, let's focus on my sense of humor, I can use my sense of humor and, you know, watch funny movies and do, you know, joke around and write jokes or whatever, and that this will help me get out of my depression. But today we're going we're gonna to start with this one of gratitude. Let's being grateful. Like, And I think this is not an easy one. But I think if we do it by focusing on what we've taken for granted and what we're missing, right? What are you missing because of what's happened? What are you missing? A lot of people are missing their favorite coffee, their coffee store. Or the smile of the person who delivers the coffee or the diner. You know the diners opened again about a month ago, and two weeks later they closed again. And darn it, you know, I had my Saturday morning diner visit, and all my friends were sitting at the on the stools, you know, and it was a great. Hey, wow, I get this is back, and now it's closed again, right? Do you take, you know, the people who work in these places for you? Gosh, it was great to see the same workers come back after eight months. Wow, they they, they didn't leave. I'm so grateful for. Hector and, you know, William and Marissa and all these people that came back. I don't know what they did. And now because it's closed again, I won't know until it reopens. But gosh, I didn't know how grateful and how I took them for granted. I'm going to be a better tipper now. Because of the pandemic, I'm going to be a better tipper.
1: There's a challenge here. It's such a huge challenge, and we can choose how we're meeting it. And I think that's a really wonderful way. It's like just to really appreciate... The food that we have, the people who work for us, all that stuff, you know, and and coming back to a certain grounding. Well, how about you,
0: Nasima? What have you taken for granted? Like the gym. I I was recognizing that, you know, the pool reopened and now it's closed again. You know, Mm -hmm. so the gym is closed again. What have you taken for granted?
1: I think I really took for granted being able to meet my friends, you know, in an easy, casual way. A few of my friends have families and, you know, quarantine was really strict for them. And I appreciate that. I was able to get out and move around with my dog, but I wasn't able to meet up with of my friends. And I really realized how much I miss that. Yeah, You know, and I miss being able to, you know, go out with, you know, Connie or somebody, you know, from work and just go get a drink casually after work and chat. Or it's a lot of team building that wasn't able to happen you know, in these days and just seeing and seeing my clients in person. You know, I really recognize how important that in-person sort of connection Mm. is. I mean, Zoom is wonderful. Telehealth is wonderful. Especially
0: your work because it's trauma work and you're working with people that you need to see how they're experiencing certain memories and feelings. It's good for them to have another human being next to them as they're going through that. Right. The sound of people laughing. You know, I miss that, and that—that mm. that would be in a a bar. You would hear that in a bar, even in a sports stadium. Maybe not laughing, but shouting, you cheering. Know? <laughs> I, think the, yeah. I think all of the—I think all the sports shows now have synco- simulated audience responses. You know, right. it's definitely not the same thing. So, what are we all missing? And, and this is a backwards way of saying: What are we taking for granted? What have you taken for granted? They're speculating that when we reopen, it's going to reopen with gangbusters. It's going to be a big flood of money, and the economy is going to soar, and all this is is going to happen. But are you going to be grateful when it reopens, when everything comes back? Are you going to go in with a new sense of purpose? So what I take for granted is a good way to try and identify what you might be grateful for. Are you grateful you didn't get the vaccine? The, the, uh, the disease. Are you, are you grateful? Do you know people who did get it and you didn't?
1: Either I'm lucky or I've, you know, taken good care or my health is such that maybe it just didn't take for me. But it's like, wow, again, getting back to taking your health for granted, taking maybe your luck, you know, maybe you're lucky. And you've made the right choices. And you've done really difficult things and sort of staying at home or being really careful and, and, you know, that's something to be grateful for, for yourself. Like I was able to sort of struggle. That was a struggle. It's not easy. This has not been an easy time.
0: Another way to think of gratitude. What am I, uh, what, what's something good in my life? Like right now, what's good. Mm-hmm. It is good that it's quiet out. You know, if you take an evening walk, you see how quiet it is. It's kind of nice. You know, there are good things. What are some good things in your life? Right now, I mean, even a person on their back or in a wheelchair, is there anything good in your life? It's not going to serve any purpose to talk and hear all the complaining about what's bad in your life. And we did a show on complaining, and you can get that on the Positive Mind Radio podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, But just picture that, you know, somebody who's in a wheelchair always complaining. You know, I mean, what can I do for you? Let's try a different way. What is good? That's going on in your life. So, you know, during this pandemic, if you're around chronic complainers, you know, we we realized in our show on complaining that complaining is sort of like a camouflage. It's like a mask. It's something that hides the real wish, the real desire that they're not saying. So they're not being vulnerable to share what they really want. If you're in a wheelchair and you're always complaining, it's not that you want to be out of the wheelchair all the time that you're complaining about. You might just want friendship. You just might want people to hang around and to ask you, do you want to go to the beach? Do you want to go somewhere for lunch? Do you want to get out of here? It's not about I'm in a wheelchair, right? So that's what we discovered about complaining. But the way to handle a complainer is, well, what's good? What's good going on in your life right now? And people through this pandemic could say, yeah, I do have some good things going on in my life. I can't say they've all been bad. for me, you know, when we were... Thinking about the show in advance, uh, we remember, like, how it was to drive on a highway when no cars were on the highway. <laughs> um,
1: or but, walk down the street with no people right. you know, banging into you, being able to take your time cr- and slow down.
0: Yeah, the empty subways. So, But what about today? Um, some good things. You know, we talk about telehealth as professionals and therapists and that we're doing it through Zoom. And that this has turned out to be a pretty positive experience. It's, You know, it saves three hours a day in commute time, you know, so I can see two extra clients because of it. Um, and it's not, and because, you know, if you had said telehealth a year ago when everybody was able to move around, nobody would have wanted to do it. But because we've been forced to do it, client and professional alike say, you know, it's pretty good. It's not so bad. It's okay. Good. It, it's not the same like in trauma work or in couples therapy. I like to see couples in person. But it's okay. It's manageable. It's working.
1: It's better than nothing, that's for it's sure. It's
0: far better than nothing. It's I'd say ninety percent. Yeah. A hundred percent in person and ninety percent through Zoom. So I I agree, you know, like gratitude is a hard thing to focus on and think about, but when you think about what I take for granted, well what it is I've struggled to attain. Like, I'm. you know, I'm, what have what I struggled to get to that you might be able to identify what you're grateful for? Or some good things in your life is another way of saying, what am I grateful for? How about some people in your life? Are you gr- more grateful for your children? Let's say your son is home from college. Are you more grateful that he's been living at home for the last nine months? Or her living at home for the last nine months? Or do you appreciate them in a different way? You know, if things are bad in your life, well, at least I have my son home from college. At least I have my daughter home. At least I'm able to homeschool my kids. At least I'm able to. At least I'm able to. At least I'm able to.
1: And maybe you've discovered something about them you didn't know. Maybe you've had a little more time to be with them and understand how they learn or how they feel. It's been an interesting opportunity to meet people who really, you know, and spend a lot of time with people we generally don't spend a lot of time with. I mean, everybody's doing their own thing, off to school, off to work. Now it's all happening under one roof. And I think it's been quite remarkable for people to, wow, here are these people that are, you know, my family who are they? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Who are you? Maybe they maybe they've learned a little more. Maybe it's been contentious and full of strife. But, but wow, you know, it's like our, our, some people that we work with, uh, they say, you know, conflict is growth trying to happen. So maybe there's yes, been maybe. some conflict, and maybe you all have grown right through it. And you can have some gratitude for, for just being, you know, sticking through it.
0: Do you appreciate your child's work ethic? Like, wow, they do go back to the desk and they are getting the work done. I didn't know what they were doing up there at that college 100 miles or 1000 miles away, but now I'm seeing what they're doing. And boy, I can appreciate my kid has a good work ethic. I'm, you know, I didn't know that. I feel grateful for that. Good. My my dollars are being well spent. So what about people in your life that you could that you've taken for granted. Are there people that you've taken for granted? And we're not doing this as a as a guilt trip, right? We're trying to say there's this principle in psychology that if you're suffering with depression or loneliness or anxiety or something, that you can take one of your strengths, whatever it might be, and gratitude is one. Some people are naturally grateful. I'm not one of them, <laughs> right? I'm just not. But you can take one of these strengths in positive psychology and focus on that and just live from that place. And say, Okay, I'm just gonna look at what I do take for granted. And that's a backwards way of me trying to experience what gratitude could be like. And I'm gonna tell you this. When you start to do this, it just it just happens. It happens. I <laughs> happens in the moment. Like somebody could come out and like start start, you know, pumping your gas for you and you're like oh wow you know that was a surprise that was shocked shock I'm so grateful and you're not even aware you know you didn't think you were setting yourself up for it but boy it shows up and that's happened to me I walked down a flight of stairs a few months ago and I started walking towards through walk through the living room and in the middle of the dining room I felt gratitude I felt great oh, wow it, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, you know, the weather today. I looked out the wind. Mm. So it happens. So this is what we want to say in psychology. If you take this one idea and practice it, it will happen.
1: And it and it works as sort of a counterbalance, right? I mean, it's not to say that there are things that aren't hard and things that you miss and things that are a struggle. But the, the ability to feel gratitude for all of that kind of counterbalances the weight of those things and lets you sort of approach life a little more open heartedly and a little more energy, I think. I yeah, mean, it well, gives me more energy. It gives me a sense of like, you know, ease and comfort and trust that I think really supports, supports moving forward and keeping going through hard times. Yeah,
0: right. And this is why it's an antidote to depression. And an antidote to anxiety, which can be so focused on my anxiety. I'm so inner focused because I'm anxious. I can't get out of myself. Well, what are you taking for granted? You have your health. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your health. Tell me how lucky you've been to have the body you've got. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. All of a sudden, I'm out of my anxiety. All of a sudden, I'm focused on something else besides me and my worry. Now let me, let me take that focus and keep focusing on who helped me get to where I am today. Name one person that has really sort of helped you through your life. Can you name one? Two? Three? It's a way to get away from the spiral of your own suffering. So that's gratitude. Is there anything else um, we want to say about being grateful and gratitude? Again, it's not a word that I love. I like appreciation, you know. Um, Grateful is not natural. doesn't come natural to me. But I like this way of saying, what am I taking for granted? Mm -hmm. You know, we're so focused on doing better and trying to get to somewhere. We're so focused in America on what I have to get, where I'm not, what I'm not, that we don't – the word grateful is like, ugh not a chance. I'm too busy focused on what's out there that I haven't achieved yet or the money I don't have yet, the house I didn't buy yet, the car I don't have, the the you know the the bicycle, the sports bicycle I don't have. These things that we our attention normally goes to that we don't stop to recognize what we take for granted and recognize that we have treasures inside. That it's hard. It's hard for Americans hard for us.
1: And I think sometimes if you're on that sort of treadmill or that hamster wheel of achievement and getting things like that sense of like, like you kind of lose the ability to actually receive anything that you've striven for. Like it just, you just keep striving for the next one. It becomes a bit addictive. Like, Mm. oh, I've got that, but it didn't really fulfill that need and it's like so i'll go get something else right. and it's like sometimes if you just sit back and say wow i actually did it i've got it i've got what i was yes. striving right. for can i be grateful for the people who helped me the way that i worked the my perseverance maybe some other mm-hmm. you know things that that strengths that i have that got me yes. you know the motorbike i always wanted right. or the car yep. So to to really let yourself rest in that and and receive it. I think gratitude is about receiving in so many ways.
0: I agree and so we we'll, um we're going to go to our break but I I want to say something about you know we used to say grace before dinner every night when I was a kid. And I think a lot of families did that. I don't know if they're still doing that. Um, sure. we should do a study on that.
1: Sure, a lot of um, a lot of families are, I think.
0: Right, but you know I the problem with this is it doesn't take anything from today anything from concrete you know like if you say i'm grateful for the man who drove the food to the market okay that's concrete that's specific but if you're so if everybody at the table would say two things i'm grateful for today you'd have 10 things let's say of gratitude 10 things 10 different things that people would be reminded of like there was no traffic today thank you for not not being any traffic so i got home to my loved ones you know through you know so it sounds simple but you know i would have a, a family meeting maybe starting with before dinner starting with two things you're grateful for mary you go first and then jimmy and john and Paul and everybody else. We'll be right back after this musical break. I'm Kevin O'Donnell, licensed mental health counselor,
1: and I'm Nassima Diane Deemer.
0: We are back. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue.
1: And I'm Nasima Diane Diemer. And
0: we are talking about practice. We're really talking about practicing, Nasima. We've mentioned a whole half an hour of talking about this idea in psychology that if you're feeling down, feeling lonely, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, feeling self-absorbed, that if you take one of your strengths or any of the strengths in positive psychology, and there are 24 of them. In positive psychology, you can look them up and focus just on one, only one, not two, not five, but only one. And use that as a point of focus for your day for, let's say, 30 days, that your chances of feeling better are much stronger than if you were to take an antidepressant or some kind of medication. And they're finding this out, and this is research. So we, we use the one of gratitude, and we, we mention that only in the sense of practicing it. And I, I mentioned how all of a sudden I, was, I had this moment of real gratitude, and it was really like a shift in my body. I, I really noticed it was like going, going down a flight of stairs. It was like a literal physical shift that I was like, wow, wait a second, there's gratitude. I'm feeling grateful. (laughs) And that's not a typical position of mine. What is a particular position of mine, and one that I want to talk about for the second half hour, at least the, the beginning of this, is a belief that my best days are ahead. My best days are ahead. I'm convinced that my best days are ahead.
1: And how do you know how do you know that
0: It's a, it's a, it's a feeling it's something inside my gut you know I just know so that when I go to work you know I I do my best at work I try to have a full day and do everything that I can but I'm also thinking this is a stepping stone subconsciously it's not like I'm doing it consciously Nasima subconsciously I'm 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 thinking no my better days are ahead I'm, all of this is going to Come to fruition at some time down the road. It energizes me. It animates me. It keeps me going through the day. I'm not again s- s- conscious of it, but I'm uh, I'm feeling like, yeah, this is a, this is a today's a stepping stone. So I I feel it as a, sen- a kind of ball of energy. If I close my eyes, I can see this sort of light in my stomach that is certain certain. So and we made this joke during the break about finding a parking spot. Are you the type of person who believes they'll find a parking spot? <laughs> and, and or and your passenger is someone, there's no way you better find a parking lot. And are you the kind of stubborn person? That says, nope, I'm going to find a parking spot no matter what. I believe it. And of course, if you can't, you give in after 10 minutes or something or 20 minutes, whatever. Um, we're not trying to make you unrealistic here but what type of person are you like do you find yourself believing that good things are going to happen for you
1: and believing that the work that you've put into whatever work you're doing or the effort that you've put into raising your family that that you just know that something good is going to happen of it or that it's that it's worthwhile that it's been worth your effort that you've had some purpose in it right and um It's just a, it's a really more sort of grounded way of feeling into this strength, which is, which is called hope, which is kind of a word that a lot of people don't like, because it kind of feels a little passive too. I mean, when you talk about hope, hope sounds passive, but we're talking about as sort of an energetic feeling, knowing capacity, that you have, yes, sort that, of moving into something in your life.
0: And we're not talking about it in the sense of being deluded. Like some people have hope and they're just living in the world of delusion. No, hope is a real thing. And it is a, is a positive thing. And in the right balance, it is a, is a great thing to have a handle on and to have in your life. Because if you didn't have it, and imagine people who have no hope, that's clinical depression, in fact, you know, that's what one of the things we ask in an intake of somebody who's depressed: uh, how, you know, how hopeful are you? And you know, virtually on a scale of one to ten, and usually it's a one or zero. I'm not; I don't have any hope because when I'm clinically depressed, so they'll they'll say I'm I'm at a zero. Imagine. So in that sense, we're aware that not having any hope is not being realistic; it's being depressed. So. Having hope is a sign of mental health, and it's a good thing. And, do, you know, there are some people who are a 10. I'm a, uh, I have a 10. I'm, I, think I'm an eight, I think I'm an 8 or a 9 on the hope scale, which is a good thing. I'm happy for that. Do you know some hopeful people that are not deluded, that are very grounded? And what strength can you take from them?
1: Well, I think what I'm learning from this is that, you know, I may not have recognized it as hope. You know, I think I'm I'm more typical to recognize hope as the delusional kind of thing and stay away from okay. it, but I've yes. I've never really characterized hope as that capacity to keep going through something, kind of no matter what, knowing that this will work out in the end. Yes. Yeah. And that that is the quality of hope, that that's the feeling of hope. And I think you can probably identify a lot of people. And I think we've seen examples of a lot of people like that. I mean, I don't know what keeps these frontline workers going. It's incredible. The doctors, the nurses, like, like they kept going in the middle of this, like not knowing what was going on or what this was about and all these people sick and all these people dying. Right and something in them just kept moving them through that. And yeah, yeah I think it's hope hope that e- with each one they will learn something new and the next person will be treated better right. or the next you know it's like or the next time they've learned something new and they continue to learn and continue to learn about it yes. and and the, that is just like it's immense right. the power. That's the power of hope.
0: What is the belief that sustains a frontline worker? What is the belief? I mean People who work in hospitals often have uh, a lot of hope because they see people get better. People leave the hospitals, generally through the front door, 90% of the time, let's say. So they have reason for hope. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. We have no doubt, right? The sun's coming up tomorrow. It's been coming up for a million years, right? So there's hope. I know the the sun's going to come up tomorrow. So this is not delusion. This is realistic. So frontline workers can have the hope that, Yes, I know my energy, my behavior, my work is going to pay off. It's going to yield something positive. But what about the people that work in terminal cases and and what hope sustains them? Fascinating, right? The, The sense that I'm going to discover something that's going to maybe put an end to this. You know, I think hope is like an energy as well. It's a positive quality, something that you can identify in yourself that makes you believe what I do matters and that what I'm doing is going to yield something positive. So a lot of people that are stuck in one dimensional jobs, you know, where their salary is fixed, they have a fixed salary and you know, they're putting in their 30 years or whatever. They don't, they generally don't rate high on the hopefulness scale because the, they're recognizing their work isn't going to matter much a year from now as it does now. So entrepreneurs and people whose salaries can be changed based on their efforts and what they create tend to rate higher on the hopefulness scale. Where are you in this? Where are you the listener in hope? Regardless of your work, you can have hope outside of your career and outside of your job. Or is your hope located in your children, in your kids, in your, in your garden? Yeah, is your it in holidays. your community? Is it in your marriage? Um, countless, countless places that you believe what I'm putting in is going to yield results is a sign of hope. And we want to emphasize this. We want to accent this. We want to accentuate this. How do you get more hope? If you don't have any hope, how can we get you some hope? I think going from the gratitude idea of, well, what are two good things that are good right now that are going? And how, where are you in that? What do you, what, what's a good thing that you're involved in now that wouldn't happen without you, without your effort?
1: You know, it makes me think of it's a wonderful life. Here's someone, it tells the story of a, of a man who thinks all hope is lost, his whole life is falling apart. And how does he regain his connection and his life and his love is through recognizing that he's a very important part of his community, and that he's really helped a lot of people. Very often, you don't recognize how much you've put in to your life and other people's lives. And that can sort of help you sort of reflect on, oh, wow, that is a sense of my hopefulness. Like in that story, he was someone who helped a lot of people. He had hope for all the people he helped. He didn't see it himself. He thought, oh, well, you know, yes, I lost this money. I'm worth right. nothing. But it's not true. Right. You were actually worth a lot.
0: Right. How would your place of business be different if you weren't there? Um, mm-hmm. Whose life would be worse if they didn't have you in, in it you know, you could write your own little story here. How has your life improved somebody else's life? Who's glad that they see you? Right. You know?
1: And I'd like to circle back to teachers in this because for a lot of kids, their teachers were their hope. If they're maybe struggling in a rough neighborhood Absolutely. or rough yes. household, School was a place, you know, it's like they were happy and excited to see their teachers. And that was their time to be on their own and be themselves and not be with their parents and, you know, explore friendship and all these things that happen in school.
0: So let's try and help people get into practice this, Nasima. I I think is one way is what am I trying to do? Where am I trying to be the best in my life? What am I trying to do the best? That's where my hope is. So if you don't think you're a person who has hope, are you trying hard at something in your life? Then maybe that's where your hope is. What do you hope to happen from all of your trying? This is where your hope is. We're saying keep going. I'm saying keep going. This is good to have a focus that you're trying to be the best at something because you're likely investing a belief that something good's going to come out of it and that's a great thing.
1: Yeah, and I think in asking the question, you're sort of encouraging people to sort of sink a little bit deeper into you know, what's the energy that's making me want to do this? Like move towards this goal. Like what takes me to the gym once a week? Right. It's only once, but at least I'm going, right? So it's like, what takes me there? Well, it's like knowing that after I do that, I feel really great for, and, and every time I go each week, I feel a little better. Yeah. I feel a little more coherent in my body. I feel a little stronger and able to meet each day. Right. That kind of keeps perpetuating. And what a great question. ask! like, what am I doing that I'm really striving at, that I'm really putting my energy into? That's a recognition of my hope that... Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be able to meet my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you see people who are doing their best? How about public officials? Do you have hope in your government? Do you have hope in in people? Does it does it swing like a pendulum sometimes? And when was the time you had the most hope? I think if we look closely, there's always reason for hope in the way our government functions and the way our country operates. I think there's always reason for hope. I mean there are times to be discouraged, but generally we spring back to Reasons to have hope. I, I have it. So how about people in your life who are working hard, doing their best at something? And how how does that affect you? Like, do you get filled with hope because of that?
1: I also, you know, you sort of bring up some of what's happening now. And I do have a lot of hope in all the strife that's happened this year, all the sort of recognition of cultural wounds that have been there, haven't been recognized. Some of the Band-Aids have been ripped off. We're being forced to learn more about our government and our officials than we ever did, you know, or haven't in a long time. I think we took government for granted. And now, you know, I think a lot of people are really, like, really looking at it. And like, what kind of governance do we want? And what kind of world do we want to live in? And we have some big choices to make. And I think there's some hope in that, too. Like, like, we went from hope, which sort of engendered a kind of hopelessness, or apathy to mm. something that's a lot more active. More people have been active in these elections than ever. Yes. Right? Yes. So it's like it's like a kind of this this that- wave of energy, like, wait, we have to we have to do something to make a change. So yeah. so that gives me hope. The people are involved. Right.
0: So we're hoping you're getting this concept, folks. It's about believing in the effectiveness of energy, human energy, your energy, that good things are going to pay off. We could look at historical figures and think they were people to be hopeful for. I had a lot of hope in certain historical figures. So you have it in you, but we're trying to personalize it and bring it down to you. What are you trying to do your best at? Where are you putting all of your energy? There's a quiet hope in there. There's a quiet hope, and what are you are expecting to pay off? Do you think your better days are ahead? Do you tend to think you'll find a parking spot at the grocery store? <laughs> I do. <laughs> we have to end with that, but again, we're reminding practicing hope. You can practice by maybe locating people in your environment who are doing their best. And what do you, and what do you demand of people? That's a question. Like, how do you demand? Because there's a hope behind that. I hope to be treated a certain way because I hold people to a certain standard. And I don't violate that. I treat them that way. So there's a hope in that.
1: And you I- mentioned when we were doing pre production that you just will tip better now than ever. Yes. And and you're already to. a good tipper. But right. you know, I think I think that is part of, you know, recognizing Yeah everybody's working towards something and we can help each other. Right. Yeah. Um, So,
0: so that's two. And we want to say, again, this is a principle of psychology that we're, you're, you're meant to practice. You're meant to practice what you take for granted and recognizing that, well, maybe there are good things in my life. you are meant to practice. What am I trying hard at? And ask yourself and who are other people that are trying hard and, and, where is my hope in all of this? What am I hopeful for? And do I believe? And I do believe my better days are ahead. And then we want to end our show by talking about this last one, ab- about beauty, about appreciating the good things that your senses are exposed to.
1: And I think we want to bring this one in because hope and gratitude are can be heavy lifts. Beauty might be a little bit easier Right. Your senses are a little bit yes. easier. They're a little more immediate mm. and they can be a doorway into these two topics. Yeah. Into yeah. hope and gratitude. And I like, cause beauty is a felt thing. Like you can't just see something beautiful and not feel something.
0: It's when you are feeling something. Cause you can look at a picture one day and it doesn't do anything to you. And then you look at it another day and wow, it goes right to my gut. And I'm filled with fascination and wonder. I had some fascination over the weekend. I was looking at a photography book. A friend of mine is a collector of photography books. And I haven't looked at them in years, photography books. And and I saw this photographer. And each page, every page, I'm trying to think, Chauncey Hall was the photographer. And just still lifes of interiors, Um, of the kind of people in their homes uh, in the 70s and it was just filled with like i was i was overwhelmed by my own images of my own home in the 70s and just filled with beauty i saw the beauty in, in these people the variety of people americans uh the variety and the beauty of them and they weren't doing anything they were still shots and it was just people living their lives and Chauncey Chauncey Hall, I think was the photographer, and it was filled with it. And I hadn't experienced a work of art like that in about probably five months, Nasima. Yeah. Right? We we've been starved of beauty. Or have we? Like well, through the pandemic, we've been starved of beauty. Or have we?
1: I, I don't know. I think there have been even more opportunities to see amazingly beautiful things like there are like all these virtual tours of different you know museums and places to travel like I think a lot of people traveled from their sofa yeah, and saw <laughs> a lot of things that they never would have seen just you know scrolling through YouTube or you know what seeing MoMA It has a whole tour of all their art it's like it's so much more available
0: oh, that's now like
1: there's the potential to To see beautiful things, listen to classical music. There have been some amazing online concerts of thousands of people in choral, you know, sing-along. I mean, it's amazing some of the things that have been produced in this time. And what a testament to the arts and creativity and the sort of masters of beauty creation on some level. Right. that they just they also kept going, and I think there was a lot of hope in that that, that their work would help people through this. So yes. and how these things all sort I of remember. work together. Yes. Um,
0: I remember the Italian singers in the early right. stages of the pandemic singing through the piazza, yeah. across the piazza, these opera singers, right, and others. But uh, yeah, so so you might be missing beauty, but beauty is everywhere. You can see beauty in the room you're in right now, right now. Look around right now. Is there beauty in your room? Some things that you're kind of amazed at. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And when you find maybe that one thing that that touches you or really catches your eye or makes you feel a little something in your heart or your belly, stay with it and maybe even focus in on it a little bit. Like get to a detail. And notice what happens in your body as you focus on a detail of something you find beautiful or interesting. And then after you're with it for a moment, see if you can sort of zoom your focus out and keep that sense, that feeling. Because a lot of times when I do this with people, it's a feeling of a little more settling in your body, being a little more present, having a, having a focus, like allowing your mind and your eyes and your body to focus on something. Here's an interesting little switch. Imagine if that thing that you were just looking at, if it was looking at you, what happens? What happens then? And often I hear people say, what does that do? Well, it just sort of shifts the, it shifts from being an active looker to being gazed to like being seen. Mm. You know, it's like in a way your whole environment is seeing you too. It's in of course. Oh, I, I can course, see the benefit of that. But there's I a see. quality of like, wow, you know, like my whole environment is reflecting me and I'm reflected in it. And, right. and it's like, well, wow, there's this one thing that's incredibly beautiful and wow, it's looking at me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The tree is looking at me. The ocean is looking at me. The sun is looking at me. Oh. The flower is looking at me mm. too. There's a relationship.
0: I never thought of that,
1: and it really can help. It really can help settle, like the nervous system, and the body.
0: So I, I mean, I think of parents like seeing their kids play, or father, and mother, or separately, whatever, watching their children play and being struck by the beauty of that. The beauty of my children, and then you're saying, imagine them seeing you see them
1: in a way Um, or just have you know it's like receive the gaze of your child very often i think parents are so focused on looking at their children that they don't allow their children to look at them and Mm. see them too i think it's i think it's extremely powerful it's very beautiful it's a way of of allowing your child to see you yeah Yeah? you're a human being everybody wants to be seen
0: you know when you're talking about that Hang on to that one detail as you're looking at a beautiful object or something. It struck me as something you could do with flavor as well. You could taste some food and really, really taste the food it's, and hang on to the one particular taste, you know, like I think a nice red wine, glass of red wine sometimes can just transport you to like the vineyard where it was grown, like where it was developed and you can get a whole landscape in the mouth. Just thinking about it. And if you follow it down, all the way down, you know, watch that uh, sulfite, let's say. <laughs> um, but it's so it, enriches, it enriches the experience. So I think what you're talking about is this quality of savoring. You savor the beauty in your environment consciously. Take and it's time. a practice, and you can practice it with your food because food is beautiful, right? A good meal is a beautiful thing. Watching somebody cook a meal can actually be a thing of beauty to watch somebody sort of do their dance in the kitchen. Um, but the and the way they put it on the plate, you know, and the meal uh, can be a thing of beauty. But take that next step and taste the food and taste it all the way and highlight particular qualities of the food. What a difference. What a difference it makes.
1: Yeah. Sitting and listening to music, just that, like not doing anything else, not running, not walking, but sitting and listening and letting yourself savor the notes, savor the, the quality, savor the rise in the orchestration or the, the rise in the rhythm and then the, the fall and, and just, See if you can just be with it and feel your body being with it. And that's another quality of being able to slow down and experience your life.
0: That's often sometimes what happens when I listen to classical music. Classical music immediately makes you pay attention, or at least I find I pay attention um, to classical music. Um, but it strikes me you can do it with other music as well. And sometimes it, you just do it naturally. Like sometimes when I'll turn a channel, I'm, I'm already hearing the bass note in certain music, and it's just there. But we're talking about practicing this, practicing this with everything you listen to, Practice this with everything that you eat, Practice this with everything that you see, everything that you smell. I mean, smell is such a strong sensual quality, strong sense. Um, And again, we're saying this in the context of practice because we're saying positive psychology, psychology in general says that if you are struggling and not feeling well psychologically, emotionally, dealing with depression or anxiety, that we take one strength and a lot of people will take beauty. Like if I can just focus on the beauty in my environment, hearing two kids play together i mean there's beauty in that just Maybe identifying even, all these beautiful things
1: yeah and 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 the sensual things all the things related to your senses can be seen as beautiful touch a soft blanket a warm you know a warm uh, robe or you know a sweet soft kitty cat or oh, right. a dog yeah. or you know these things give us this these sensual feelings that can, you know, it's like the things we like are usually beautiful in some way. Yeah. So.
0: so I would just close out the show by saying there's another quality, another strength that we haven't talked about that could fit in this context, which I think is kindness, which I think is a tremendous healing thing, to see kindness. And I know I've seen some video clips on YouTube where people are being kind to either an animal or to each other and you immediately feel a lift. So you want to know the power of practicing these things that we're talking about, gratitude, appreciation of beauty and hope. You can watch some YouTube videos of people being kind to each other and see what that does to you. So we are glad to wrap up 2020 in our own fashion, our own positive minded way. And we were glad to have had you with us for the show We're wishing and looking and hoping for a better 2021. And thank you for being with us through this year. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, Licensed Mental Health Counselor.
1: And I'm Nasima Dyan-Demer, Licensed Massage Therapist and Trauma Specialist.
0: We'd like to thank
1: so many people who've been helping us this year. Connie Shannon, our producer, Jeff Brady, our chief engineer, and the stations who've picked us up in California, Oregon, Washington,
0: Ohio, Texas, Ohio, Texas, West Virginia.
1: And for all of you listening on the podcast.
0: Be well, folks. We'll see you next year. Thanks for being with us. Bye-bye.